Blog Talk Radio. Holistic Health Talk Show. I'm your host, Barbara Wesley Gray, and I'm coming to you live from Brooklyn, New York at 6.30 Eastern Time. I'm really, again, happy to have you sharing your evening with us. And sitting next to me is my lovely wife, uh, uh, my, my lovely wife and guest, Dr. Dora Gray. Would you like to say hello to everyone? Alasia <laughs> Namaste, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us tonight, and uh, you're in for a treat. This is going to be a wonderful episode. Absolutely, absolutely. Yes, I, I'm always excited about uh, uh, shows such as what we're about to have today, uh, this evening, uh, because it touches, it has a universal effect uh, in terms of emotion, and, and that being the operative word being gratitude. Uh, to be grateful. And, of course, we have a holiday that's approaching uh, us uh, next week, uh, which uh, is called Thanksgiving Day. And I will discuss and get somewhat into the historical perspective of that celebration. But as I noted in my um, uh, the posting on Facebook and other uh, social media, that uh, we will be reviewing, uh, touching upon, actually, a book, uh, and then reviewing more so next week, uh, uh, the, a book titled The Spiritual Warrior uh, authored by Swami Krishnapad uh, Krishnapada he's uh, an African American who's now deceased, he passed away in 2005 uh, but he became the first African American uh, to be, uh, become a Swami uh, in, in, in incorporating his knowledge and and wisdom into the community called uh, the Krishna Ishkan community. And um, he became internationally known, even to the point of being advisors and consultants to world leaders such as Nelson Mandela. Uh, I posted some pictures on the, uh, uh, the, the, the posting on Facebook about him being with Nelson, Nelson Mandela on several occasions. And uh, I never met him, but I did meet uh, friends of his uh, for my association with ISKCON here in, in Brooklyn, New York. And um, indeed, I didn't realize that there were so many Africans who were uh, members of the community, and uh, Africans as well as those um, born here in the African diaspora, such as the United States. Um, I'd just like to touch upon the fact that indeed, we as African Americans, my wife and I, uh, both actually, I'm African American, and my wife is um, uh, Barbadian uh, descent. Uh, directly, would you like to, to explain? Well, I basically identify as African Caribbean. Okay, African Caribbean. Yes. Well, yeah, we have to be clear, uh, and this is a conversation that we need to have amongst us, because uh, I'm sure many of you who are listening. Are familiar with the term divide and conquer. And uh, first and foremost, we all are Africans. Yes. Uh, 
but just like any community, we have tribes, we have clans, we have uh, uh, villages, which are named distinctly to indicate the influence uh, that they had from their ancestry, their grandparents, etc. So it's important to understand that, number one, that we all are brothers and sisters because uh, humanity uh, started in Africa, and it wasn't until um, our ancestors started migrating to different parts of the world and settling that we find ourselves being identified uh, from uh, certain distinct features, uh, hues of our skin, uh, uh, color of our hair, uh, the dialect, the languages that we spoke, you know, etc. Uh, the way we farmed the land, is, as you know, uh, many of the civilizations didn't evolve until they learned how to farm as opposed to hunt for animals, for nutrients and protein, and to be able to survive. So we give thanks for their uh, uh, efforts and their growth uh, going back hundreds of thousands of years. Absolutely. And, of course, we give ancestors going back uh, a couple of hundred of years. Absolutely. Uh, since our uh, ancestors were brought here from Africa to uh, the Americas and, 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 and enslaved, uh, held prisoners, as it were, against their will. So we are thankful for their uh, 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 determination to not to succumb, to not uh, lose their faith and, and orientation to God, to the Most High, uh, to their deities. And, and, and I, we're thankful now that many of us are really uh, going back to those beliefs and understandings. Yeah. You know, I'm very thankful of that as, uh, as an a inter, interfaith minister. My wife and I both are interfaith ministers, and we're healers. We're uh, Reiki masters and, and pranic healers, and uh, we're constantly in the state of learning um, the first thing we do in the morning is we pour libation and, and give and give uh, uh, homage to the ancestors, as it were, and to all the deities uh, through the, uh, uh, the, 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 the path the pantheon of of, um, of Ifa, of Yoruba worship. But we embrace all of the spiritual uh, uh, journeys and spiritual high higher self beliefs, and we know that indeed this different rivers going into the same ocean of spiritual consciousness. And, and that's one of the reasons why I took to this book titled The Spiritual Warrior uh, to share this uh, a brief uh, uh, overview of, of our brother, the uh, Swami Krishnapath. He uh, went to Princeton University, and uh, he was previously known as John Favors uh, and also Tashambi Abdul. And as an African-American seeker who rose from the impoverished condition in Cleveland ghetto, uh, he became a global spiritual teacher. And Bhakti Thirthar Swami, he met with prominent and world figures such as Muhammad Ali, Nelson Mandela, uh, and Zimbia's president, uh, Kenneth Kwanda. He wrote 17 books on religious topics and led 
community development projects in the United States and other countries. He was the founder and director of the Institute of Applied Spiritual Technology in Washington, D.C., which was a nonprofit, non-denominational organization whose membership represents a variety of spiritual paths and professional backgrounds. And as I said earlier, he traveled the world constantly and served as a spiritual consultant. He also served as the chairman of the Third World Coalition. Uh, that was in uh, 2006 with the, uh, the Council of the District of Columbia. Uh, he was recognized, actually, in 2006. Uh, I mentioned earlier that he had passed, uh, became an ancestor in 2005. So uh, I'm not going to delve deeply right now into uh, the book. Uh, I'm going to reserve that for next week. But I just wanted to uh, emphasize the fact that, indeed, my wife and I realized the importance of being in a constant state of thanksgiving, giving thanks. That allows you to maintain a certain clarity, uh, as far as I can see, uh, for me practicing it, it uh, off and on throughout the years, but now as of late, I've been really focusing on that word uh, and being grateful. As soon, as soon as I wake up, I give thanks for uh, waking up from a deep sleep because I know that it's only by the grace of the Most High that I was able to open my eyes up for another day. And I know that during the course of the day, uh, when we travel um, in our car and go to one destination to another and come back home, even if it's actually before I even come back home, I, make, I give thanks for getting to our destination in a safe and sound uh, state. And, of course, when we get back home and walk through the threshold of our home, uh, we give thanks. So uh, to those of you who are listening, I'm grateful that you're listening. And, again, uh, I must also include that anything that is shared on the show, uh, we are not doctors or lawyers and uh, we're not licensed health practitioners, as it were. So anything that you hear relative to health, uh, health initiatives and remedies, I would suggest that you consult with your doctor. Uh, and, of course, anything in terms of legal matters, I would suggest that you consult with your lawyer and any other professional before you embark on anything that's shared with you on our show. Uh, with that being said, let's really delve into the, uh, the true story of Thanksgiving and, and what it represents. Uh, from some people who have done research, the idea that American Thanksgiving feast is a fairly recent fiction and the idyllic partnership with the 17th century European pilgrims and the New England Indians sharing a celebratory meal appears to be less than 120 years old. And it was only after the First World War that a, a subversion of such a Puritan-Indian partnership took hold in elementary schools across the American landscape. Uh, we can also thank the invention of uh, uh, the textbooks and their mass purchase by public schools for embedding this Thanksgiving image in our modern minds. And of course, a complete invention, a cleverly created slice of cultural propaganda, just another in a long line of inspired nationalistic myths. 
The first Thanksgiving Day did occur in the year of 1637, but it was nothing like our Thanksgiving today. On that day, the Massachusetts colony governor, John Winthrop, proclaimed such a Thanksgiving to celebrate the safe return of a band of heavily armed hunters, all of them being colonial volunteers. They had just returned from their journey to what is now Mystic, Connecticut, where they massacred 700 Corgway Indians, 700 Indians and women and children, all murdered. And that is a landmark. Yes. Mystic, Connecticut. Isn't that something? I I drove up there with one of my friends once because mm. we had heard about it mm-hmm. and we wanted to go and see what it looked like. But um, unfortunately, we did not see any uh, reverence towards the indigenous people. Uh, it's basically, um, well, it's like a seaport. It's uh, you know very commercialized and it doesn't point towards who inhabited that land. Isn't that something? Yes. Wow. And at the time that we drove up, it was actually my friend's idea. Um, She had said, well, you know, do you want to, you know, take a ride or something this weekend or, you know, let's just do something different. And I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think she was the one who, said, oh, I've heard of this town, Mystic, Connecticut, and it sounds really nice. Let's go check it out. Uh And I said, okay, sure, let's do it. And we went out there, you know, and I'm I'm just saying that with gratitude, not to be funny, but with gratitude for your show, because just as I was not aware of the history of Mystic, Connecticut, I'm quite certain that many people listening to your show might not have heard of it either, or visited. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to point out, I mean, not to take a turn and be radical or anything, Mm -hmm. but um, Mystic Connecticut, it just has a very poor history as opposed to the way those who are on that land now try to portray it. Mm -hmm. And it would be nice if there was some type of reverence of, statues or plaques or something and you know maybe there is now it's been over 20 years since i've been there but you know i just wanted to bring that out you go there and everything looks so nice and tranquil and the seaport and the boats and the harbor and it's wonderful but what price did others have to pay mm-hmm. yeah i'm happy you brought that point up uh, there's far too many of us who do not know the true history uh, even to the point that New York City it was the leading uh, slave trade. Uh, First city. commodity yes. on the stock market. On the stock market, right. First commodity. They had Wall Street, which was built by slaves. Yes. By brothers, our ancestors who were captured. Absolutely. Yes, and of course, we know about the African burial ground. Absolutely. You know, which I played drums there and, and, uh, and, and you have conducted tours and so forth. So there's a lot for us to be able to recognize uh, as we do our research and as we share amongst each other. Each one, reach one, teach one. Sharing is key. Yeah, we're all the students and teachers at the same time. Absolutely. Sharing is key because um, I'm just grateful to those who have shared with me. So am I. (laughs) I'm grateful to those who decades ago 
introduced me to Dr. Francis Crest. Yes. Dr. Francis Crest yes. Welsing. Yes. I'm, I'm grateful to those years ago who shared with me Dr. Naeem Akbar, because these are yes. people that I had not heard of, I was not familiar with, and people around me were not holding conversations about yes. them. And if you're not in that vortex, if you're not connected to people who can apprise you of certain information, you'll just, you know, basically go through this world just not knowing. Absolutely. So I'm, I'm expressing yes. gratitude today to, to many people. Gratitude, who, yes. who crossed my path, who helped me to become the person that I am today and who helped me gain this desire to be a seeker of the original knowledge. Yes. Um, Nana Harriet Tubman, you know, um, Barbara um, Frederick Douglass, W.B. Du Bois, uh, Dr. Henry Clark, Dr. Ben. You know, we have so many amongst us who spent their whole life, dedicated their whole life to, if not being a freedom fighter for, for those of our ancestors who were enslaved, uh, physically, uh, freedom fighters and, 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 um, and, and uh, able to release the enslaved minds, those of us who've had our minds chained. Uh, there's a book by Anaim Akbar we were mentioning. Uh, Breaking the Chains of Psychological Slavery. Yes, yes. Excellent and book. Many of us are suffering from that. That's why we have so many of our young brothers and sisters, but mainly the young brothers who are running around uh, killing each other, you know, because they have no... Nothing to be thankful for. Well, the sisters, the sisters have their own take as far as um, their appearance. Yeah, yeah. Their appearance. There, many of the sisters, and you know, I, I don't want to like criticize, but I, I, you know, as an elder, I feel that I have the responsibility to say certain things, mm-hmm. and if people get mad at me, well. You know, I'm sorry because yeah. my intent is not to insult anyone. This is said out of love. Yes, and my intent is not to insult anyone or to criticize, but based on where we came from mm-hmm. and where we're trying to get to, I just feel that I have to say to the younger sisters and some of the elders too, please try not to frame your identity based on what the movie stars are doing. Mm-hmm. That is not us. And that's as, that's as much as I want to say about it today. Because, right. again, my intent isn't to insult anyone or their lifestyle or what brings them joy. But you, we have to study. We have to study and understand why we do certain things. Yes. And when we understand why we do certain things, then we have the knowledge then to say, oh, well, I didn't realize this is what I was following and that was what it was all about. I'm going to stop doing this. Mm-hmm. I, I think uh, the, the, I don't, I'm not going to get into the political uh, arena in terms of my thoughts, but I do want to touch upon something that I've become concerned about, and that is the fact that uh, our ancestors in the last, uh, say, 50, 60 years, uh, we weren't able to vote. 
women were not able to vote right. of any color. And of course, if you were of African descent, you were not allowed to Forget vote. about it. Right. So we have now uh, a situation where the so-called red states, uh, the so-called right uh, of the political arena, uh, they're reversing the, the, the voting laws. Yes. They're making it so that indeed the so-called Republicans are able to uh, have a good chance of winning uh, uh, the, the next elections, which are going to happen in 2022. And then, of course, the presidential election in 2024, uh, so that indeed they will be back in power. And I know there's brothers and sisters amongst us who state that it doesn't matter if you're Republican or Democrat, it's still oh, the same coin. Yeah. You know, it's just on, you're still on either side is the same coin. Yeah. Uh, both wings are the same, attached to the same bird. Well, I take difference to that, uh, that the coin now, doesn't have this two sides, but it has third side, mm -hmm. the third side, and that is the circumference of the coin, mm -hmm. you know. And that is the area I think that most of us have to relate to is that uh, the, the book titled The Art of War, you know, uh, even our brother, our beloved brother, uh, El Haus Malik Shabazz, Malcolm X, he says we should go into the house, into the kitchen if it's going to get heated, and argue our points amongst ourselves. But when we come out of that kitchen, could we come out across the threshold of the home, of the house, we should come out united so that indeed we cannot be any, no longer divided, as it were, and manipulated. So uh, I know that uh, we have certain brothers and sisters who, are about to, who have been elected into uh, national office or a local office in terms of leadership, and, and uh, we have the naysayers who label them as being uh, not competent, as being a, 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 a tool of, of, the, of the enemy, as it were. So I say once we get someone in power, in office, that it behooves us to now collaborate them behind closed doors in a respectful manner as much as possible so that indeed we can inspire them to work on our behalf, whatever level that may be, whether it be through spiritual, uh, medicine, uh, formal education, economics, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, otherwise, we're still going to be in the predicament that we're in right now. And that predicament, again, uh, goes back to our children, our young adults who are angry with each other, and they don't know how to handle disputes other than to kill one another, to take a gun and shoot one another. And they do that because they're not being taught. Right. They're emulating their parents. They're emulating the elders in the community because they know what we're saying to each other. Once our, our ancestors who died, actually, not just blood, sweat, and tears, but actually died, you know, for us to get the vote, the power of the vote. Well, many of them don't, have, don't even have that on their radar Many of them don't have the history. And again, I'm not saying it as a criticism. I'm saying it as a fact, because just like, you know, the minister said, you know, there was a time that we didn't know. Yes. So it's not, it's not a put down for anyone, but we, you know, we try the best that we can to open up people's eyes so that we can mitigate some of these elements right. of suffering. Mm -hmm. 
Um, it was crafted very well over 400 years ago when we were pitted against each other. Yes. That was very craftily done yes. with the arrogance to say that we would reach a point where we would enslave ourselves, they would no longer have to beat us, and that is very clear, yeah. and it's very real. Yeah, that's that so Lucy Willie Lynch. Willie Lynch. Yeah. So, so it's, it's uh, as best as we can mm -hmm. to help others to yeah. get the knowledge, and, and still with the, with the grace to say, make your own decisions, but make your best decisions by getting the best information that's available to you. Mm -hmm. Try to look at all sides if possible and then make, make a good decision. Yes. And that's what it's all about. Yes, the Most High gave us all free will. Mm -hmm. So it's not about trying to force anyone to think a certain way. Like I know for me, I, I help people as far as helping them as how to think, but I would never tell you what to think. Right. Well, well said, and, and, and uh, I, I concur with that. Uh, let me just, before the show ends, we have about five minutes remaining, and I just want to remember, uh, re continue the true story of, of Thanksgiving. And he says that this day is still remembered today, 373 years later, no, it's been long forgotten by white people, by European Christians, but it is still fresh in the minds of many Indians, that story oh. that I mentioned earlier. So the, the so-called, these are Native Americans, I won't say Indians, a group calling themselves the United States Indians of New England met each, each year at Plymouth Rock on Coles Hill for what they say is a day of mourning. Mm -hmm. They gathered at the feet of a statue of Chief, of Chief Musasite and of the Wampananak uh, tribe. To remember the long-gone Purgway, they do not call it Thanksgiving. There is no football game afterwards. How then did our modern festive Thanksgiving come to be? It began with the greatest of misunderstandings, a true clash of cultural values and fundamental principles. What we are thankful for, if not being here, living on this land, surviving and prospering, but in our thankfulness, might we have overlooked something. Look at what happened to the original residents who lived in the area of New York, we have come to call Brooklyn. A group of them called Carnarches obligatedly, perhaps even eagerly, accepted various pieces of pretty colored junk from the Dutchman Penny, Peter Minuet in 1626. These trinkets have long since been estimated to be worth no more than 60 Dutch, Dutch killers at that time, which translates into $24 in modern American money. In exchange, the Carnegie's gave Penny, Peter Minuet the island of Manhattan. What they did, well, what did they care? They were living in Brooklyn. So that's something I would have to go back to because it's alleged that Brooklyn, which uh, Manhattan was sold uh, by the Hudson River, which is some place I visited one time. But let me just go back to this quoting. Of course, all things, especially commercial transactions, need to be viewed in perspective. 
the nearly two dozen tribes of Native Americans living in New York area in those days had a distinctly non-European concept of territorial rights. They were strangers to their idea of real property. It was common for one tribe to grant permission to the other to hunt and fish nearby themselves on a regular basis. Fences, real and imagined, were not a part of their culture. Naturally, it was polite to ask before setting up, setting up operations to, to close to where others live, but refusal in matters of this sort were considered rude. A sign of gratitude, again, I repeat, a sign of gratitude, small trinkets were usually offered by the tribe seeking temporary admission and cheerfully accepted by those already there. So it was basically just a ceremonial gesture. Uh, it was clearly understood to be a sort of a short-term rental arrangement, but sad to say, the unfortunate Canarsis apparently had no idea that the Dutch meant to settle in, whose yet for them it must have been unthinkable that they would also be unwelcome in Manhattan after their deal. One thing can be, we can be sure of, their equivalent of today's buyer's remorse bought the Carnegie's nothing but grief and violence. Many Indians lived on Long Island in those days. Another Dutchman, Adrian Block, was the first European to come upon them in 1619. Block was also eager to introduce European commercialism and Christian concept of real estate to these unfortunate innocents. Without exception, these Indians came out on the short end of their dealings with the Dutch. The market savvy unleashed by the Europeans upon the Indians constituted the first land use policies in the New World. In the 17th century, it was not urban, but rather rural renewal. The result was, of course, the same. People of color with no money to speak got booted out, and the neighborhood was, which was subsequently gentrified and overran by white people. Not far from Manhattan, one tribe of about 10,000 Indians lived, lived peacefully in a lovely spot on a peninsula directly along the ocean. There they fished in the open sea in Allen Bay, and they hunted across the pristine shoreline that they were quite happy until they met a man, another Dutchman, named William Kelp. He was the governor of New Netherland in 1639, and these poor people were called the uh, Rockaway. And soon after meeting Governor Kulf, they became the very first of New York's homeless. The people of the New Neverland had a lot in common with the people of Plymouth Colony. And at least it appears so from the both of these groups of displaced and dissatisfied Europeans, they interact with the local Indians. The pilgrims in Plymouth had a hard time for the first couple of years, while nature had no friend. Their troubles were mostly their own doing. Poor planning was their downfall, and those mostly city-dwelling Europeans failed to include among them persons with the skills needed to settling the new American wilderness. And having, rich, having reached rather the forest and the fields of Massachusetts, they turned out to be pathetic hunters and incompetent butchers. With game everywhere, they went hungry, and first they couldn't catch and kill it. Then they couldn't cut it up, prepare it, preserve it, and create a storehouse for those days when the fresh supplies had run low. And to compensate for their shortage of essential protein, 
they turned to their European ways and their Christian culture. They instituted a series of religious observances. They could not hunt a farm well, but they seemed skilled at praying. So we're approaching the end of our show, and I do want to continue uh, 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 next week uh, from where we're leaving off here so that we can really have an understanding of this holiday that we call Thanksgiving and also have an understanding in the profound uh, necessity for us to be in this conscious state of gratitude, especially for our ancestors and, and the work that they did on our behalf, the struggles that they went through. So again, I, I, I thank you for tuning in, and I end the show as I begin by uh, acknowledging and thanking the One Most High God for allowing uh, this to take place. I thank our ancestors. I send blessings, love, and respect to my elders, uh, my, my uh, in-laws, my, my children, my siblings, and, of course, I give thanks to my lovely wife. Alafia, Hotep, Namaste, Shalom, Assalamu Alaikum, peace and blessings.